Uh, yeah. So we spent the better part of the week without power. Snowed Sunday night, Monday morning. You know, power went off early in the morning, two or three o'clock, off and on and off and on kind of thing. And then it was just off most of the day on Monday. And throughout the week, we had periods where it was eight or nine hours off, two or three hours on. And then everything normalized a little bit on Thursday, but no internet. Like through Friday, there was some kind of problem with our service provider. So it was mm. a pretty rough week all in all. No kidding. How did the kids manage? Did they enjoy the extra family time or was it really unsettling? They were fine. We were a little bit more cautious about playing outside mm -hmm. because we, oh, we didn't know if we had our hot water was the, the pipes were frozen for a while. And so we didn't really have a reliable way to warm them up, you know, if they mm -hmm. were out and the power went off or whatever. Yeah. But we made the most of it. They had they had fun. Lots of snow, more than we've ever had, like in this area you know, mm -hmm. after of decades living here. Yeah. And so made little snow forts and did some makeshift sledding and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm glad you, you didn't have any damage to your house then or? No, we lucked out. So we have some pipes that when it gets cold, they freeze, but no water damage. Pretty unscathed as far as that goes, which is nice because I have some friends who had a ton of water damage in their house. And so that's it's always good to a little bit of power being out's fine. No, no lasting yeah. damage. Yeah. Good. Good. Thinking about you guys. Craziest thing. And I'll bet it's warm there now, right? It's like, it was like 80 yesterday. It's almost like a bad so, dream. Like yeah. that really happened? <laughs> was it just uh, snowing and storming and craziness? Yeah. Just, just for a few days like that. Because we're in shorts today. Like it's nuts. It's, yeah, really nuts is the right word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have two. It's just a normal day for you, right? Did the storm oh, well, kind of came down the center? Another storm, but just a normal day. Like I have two feet of yeah. snow outside my window. And oh, um, nice. Monday, we, we like they were calling for a uh, winter storm warning. And I'm looking out the window and there's like nothing happening. And then an hour later, I look out, it's a complete whiteout. Like you couldn't see anything at all. For the oh, next wow. like four hours. It's pretty crazy. But your power stayed on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I had some had some like little spotty internet here and there, but nothing to even really speak of. Oh, I'll go off video for a little while to let the to not put so much pressure on my Wi-Fi or whatever, but like nothing at all. Nope. I never lost power once. So yeah. Good. And then it's still not 70 or 80 degrees. It is still cold. It is still Yeah. <laughs> there's still two feet of snow. But. Yeah. All is well. Yes. So today we're recording this on February 24th and the year is 15% over, which is bonkers. Bonkers. Yeah. And we had originally planned on recording this last week so it could go live today, but I didn't have power or internet. So mm -hmm. that would have been tough. Yeah. With the unpredictability, I, I don't, I'm having a hard time grokking that the year is 15% over. It seems like every plan that I've had has either run long or had to be dramatically shifted around some yet another unpredictable thing. I was just talking to someone today about something I wanted to roll out for 2021, only to realize that I basically have 10 months left to do it. Not 12 data points, 10 data points. If I start now, I can be lucky enough to, to get 10 iterations of this in the year. Yeah. And we still have people talking about 2020. I think I mentioned something, you know, yesterday about it. Mm -hmm. It's like we're still talking about 2020. It still kind of feels the like we're in 2020. Over. Or it yeah. was just yesterday. 
<laughs> which yeah. is what it feels like. And, and we've been in situations before where maybe you do, you're on like a quarterly planning cycle or whatever, and, and, you, and we see this with some of the people we work with. So I don't have my numbers yet, and it's halfway through the quarter. So I think there's a few things that happen. One is we have a, a hangover at the beginning of a year. You're coming back from the holidays. Everyone's just trying to get their email caught up, get set back, settled back in. And before you know it, you're through January mm-hmm. and really nothing has happened. And then you compound that problem by goals being set and delivered and agreed on and rolled down, cascaded too late. And you put those two things together and yeah, the year's 15% over and you might not have even started yet. You're still thinking about last year or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Or you may even start a little early and set goals in 2020 that you then roll out, but underestimate something. The, The different bottlenecks, the availability of appropriate stakeholders to tweak things or sign off. And and then you have enough slowdowns and here you are 15% in and nothing is done. <laughs> I used to find that really discouraging. I don't know if I'm just mellowing out these days, but I'm starting to expect that sort of interaction. Now, admittedly, 2020 and the beginning of 2021 have thrown more curveballs than normal. It's been an atypical period of time. (laughs) Yeah. But I am starting to expect to need to have a a level of fluidity in my planning, my execution, give myself some space, especially when it comes to any sort of initiative that relates to multiple stakeholders or communicating to large groups of people. The more complex the the initiative or the objective, the more I expect there to be cycles of churn before something can be delivered. Do you do you experience any of the same? Yeah, there is something about this period of time which compounds the problem. And so I, I do think that level of fluidity is helpful, but or helpful to not be so hung up on day one out of the gate, like the rigidness of the plan. We all know that stuff comes up and and we need to adapt. But I do wonder, like this has only, from my experience this year, and maybe I'm just more cognizant of it, has had the negative impact on our teams, our people, me personally. Like I'm not 15% through my goals, you know, for the year. And I did the right thing. Like I I carved out some time in December to plan for this year. I actually feel like I started pretty well. Had a couple of things early in January go my way. So that gave me some forward momentum in my goal setting that maybe I normally wouldn't have gotten and I still feel behind. And so I'm not sure if that's a sign of the times or maybe it's just always been like that and we just haven't been so keen to notice it because times are good. Everything's going well. You have some flexibility, some margin in your life and your organization and your team to not have to worry about it. I don't know, maybe that's it. I think you hit on something really briefly that's worth pulling apart a little bit though just now, which is are we underestimating the compounding effect? Because none of us are in a void or a vacuum. So if you are experiencing a tiny setback and every single person that you are reliant on or interacting with, whether it's a product owner or a stakeholder or you know even external market factors, if every one of them is experiencing even a fraction of what you're experiencing, that's where the compounding effect comes from, I think that then gets us to 15% in and not 15% done. And it feels more extreme because your personal setback doesn't feel like 
you should be 15% off. It's It really is almost death by a thousand cuts. It's not one extreme mistake, if that makes sense. It, it is the macro force that's affecting everybody. We have maybe a collective headwind and that impacts us each incrementally and to different degrees. But then when you start having to pull effort for your team or your organization, that's when you really start to feel that uh, cumulative effect that you mentioned. I think that might be the case. And I hadn't really thought of it that way until you mentioned, you just alluded to it in passing. And I feel like you are, you're hitting on something. Now, if we, if that is true, what we're, what we're supposing, and then you layer on all of the, the chaos and the say signal to noise misbalance of politics, election, ongoing, ongoing political and civil unrest, there is even more of a kind of a, a, like an erosion of mental capacity almost. So where I might have felt like I was whatever, whatever this is worth firing on all cylinders, working against all of my objectives. Now I'm firing on all cylinders, working against a, a fractured set of objectives because of the compounding effect. But in reality, I'm not firing on all cylinders because part of my brain is distracted by a lot of unrest. Yeah, there's this low-grade tension. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this because I'm curious. Are things worse right now than they've been? So certainly global pandemic is a weird thing. And we had a few firsts, not in a good way, last year. And But we've had war before. Like our kids aren't hiding under desks at the school doing nuclear bomb drills. We've had natural disasters before, worse than we've experienced. Although the, I did read the storm here in Texas and our baffling reliance on our own power grid, which I, I don't fully understand, is probably going to be the most expensive natural disaster that's hit the state, Wow, which is interesting. We've had other more impactful, worse natural disasters in the U.S., let alone worldwide. Politics have always been a thing. I don't, I've never had a problem in my lifetime going and getting gas, like filling my car with gas. How much worse is it now than our parents and their parents had before? Like I, that, I don't know. I'm having a hard time understanding, should these things be as uh, invasive in our personal and professional lives as they are? Like it's certainly the worst period. And I, I can't find, a, I can't think of a different term other than worse, yeah. but most challenging period of, of my life. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding like how much worse or better it was before us. That's a very interesting question. And you're right. We, we almost needed a, a different, more verbose, more varied word than worse, because that feels very linear. Certainly there were worse circumstances. I wasn't alive for World War II and neither were you, but that was a worse circumstance than, than what we've experienced. But at least my perception, which could be way off, is that during a, a, a crisis that affected so many, there was a slowdown of other things, maybe a slowdown of economic demands that were the same, a, a rallying. Like oh, I, I, the cause and effect. Yeah, I think about, I, okay. I start to, as soon as you say something like World War II, I start to visualize something that looks like rubber drives and uh, metal drives and lots of like collective thinking versus some what we've experienced during the pandemic has been, but the show must go on. 
the stock market must continue to grow. There must not be a decrease in, in shareholder primacy. There must not be, it's like, we want this and we want to experience this catastrophic event as a globe, but nobody wants to lose any money. And we want to experience this, these kind of unprecedented for our generation anyway, situations but have my cake and eat it too, if, that, if there's a, a way of saying it like that, as opposed to dialing back maybe some of our expectations to collectively regroup and move forward. That's a thought. The only other thought I have is you, you cited some other examples of major crises in different parts of the planet, natural disasters that would tend to strike one place at a time, while at the same time, our world continues to get more and more flat more and more dependent on one another. So if let's say there was a massive earthquake, say in, in Bangladesh, and I have a lot of business partners or call centers in India, probably didn't affect the whole country. Probably part of my business will continue to run, even if part of it won't. Where with the pandemic, almost everyone was impacted in some way or another that just slowed down a, an economy that continues to get become more and more global. That's a good point too. And, and I think we're also, it seems like we're less efficient. Like there, there are some benefits to, you know, not having a commute, for instance. I haven't been in the office for about a year. I know. I was driving probably two hours a day. And then sometimes when you're bouncing between clients and offices, like it, it just, that's a lot of driving. I'm not sure how much of that time I was effective at recapturing with phone calls and, and things like that. And there was like, I remember reporting on it very early. So this was, would be April, May of last year, all of our team's velocity went up. Mm. Everybody got more productive. And we thought at the time that like, this probably isn't right. We're probably getting a little bit of a bump from everyone just being happy to not have to drive a bunch every day. And then too, I think there's this like adrenaline factor. Like everyone was worried about the economy, about keeping their job, the uncertainty of what's going to happen. There was so much unknown then. Like it was right now we have a low grade tension or stress then we had just all out pretty much panic. It was more of a panic setting. And that adrenaline has worn off. I know, I, I just think that over time, you know, 100% of something is really hard to accommodate, even if you're a 50% remote or 80% remote, but you had the opportunity to get in person to collaborate when that was needed. That's much more effective than the 100% mode. And so I do think we're less efficient right now as a working force globally than we have been in the past. And I think that's that's also maybe what's contributing to the fact that we're 15% of the way through the year and not 15% or more through our goals. Mm -hmm. I think you're, there's also something there too around um, settling in. And I don't want to keep overusing the overused expression of uh, the new normal. But uh, last week I was reading an article in The Economist about the changes in business travel being here to stay, that business travel of the many things that are affected uh, permanently and many that will bounce back, 100% business travel will not. That's their assertion. And I, I think they're right, both from a cost standpoint, as well as a human tolerance standpoint. So to your point of it's a year, it's a year since you've been driving two hours. I'm thinking where I was a year ago, I, my commute was a flight from New York to North Carolina every week. So I I am I'm over the the honeymoon phase of enjoying that and the and the crisis mode and also thinking I don't I wouldn't go back to that sort of 
scenario for myself. Even though I am craving the human interaction, I wouldn't go back to flying every week. And my client, my former client, they're not going to pay for it again. So there, there is this kind of like we're experiencing a settling in and use the example before of your team's velocity. I don't think we know what our new velocity is. So technically, we're 15% behind, but this may be a, another data point set of normalcy that we need to see before we know what our actual speed is. Yeah. And then what's going to be that reckoning when we come to that realization and expectations have not met reality? Yeah. Like that's going to be really interesting. That will be interesting. It'll be different for lots of different people. I think it depends who your stakeholders are. If you're looking at, again, something related to shareholders or market demand versus an environment that allows for flexible problem solving or innovation to reach a goal, I think there will be that there will be a feeling of more success that way leapfrogging through through something as opposed to following the the plan that was laid out versus hard and fast numbers that may or may not change the valuation of one's company, that will probably have more negative impacts. So one thing I wanted to ask you too, could it be, would it be advisable, do you think, to maybe shorten the time frame with which you do planning? So we we say quarterly planning, we have yearly goals, we, we're on these like chronologically based boundaries. If you think of, and, and we've tied some of our previous discussions into like how things work for an individual and maybe extrapolate that for an organization, when you're in a personal crisis, the first thing you do is you collapse your timeline of what you're planning for the future. If everything's going great, careers firing on all cylinders, you're happy and healthy, you may be thinking about your five-year plan. What am I going to do for retirement? What am I doing for my 20-year work anniversary? Something macro happens or individually at your organization or something personal and you might collapse down to like, oh my gosh, I have, I have to go take care of this in a week. Like it just gets way smaller. Would that be a, you think an advisable practice if you're running an organization, you're feeling this sort of hangover or drag or you're noticing the year's 15% over, you're not 15% of the way through your goals. Would it be helpful to think about things on a much smaller time frame, either 10% or 50% of whatever period you normally plan on? What do you think about that? I think that's a very good idea. The the recalibration. I, I think every shorter term plan needs to be in alignment with the longer term strategy. But does it have to be measured in strict chronological increments? I don't think so. Depending on how one is communicating commitments to external parties, that would that would limit how and when you can shift your thinking or inside what parameter you can shift your thinking. But is there value? You're, you're asking two questions, one inside the other, I think. Is there value in constantly having a fallback or having a kind of unemotional willingness and ability to prioritize again and skinny down what one is looking to do, I think 100%. There has to always be a plan that allows for a best and worst case scenario or a, a, a fatter and leaner scenario because you, you'll inevitably end up in one of those situations. You probably won't hit the nail on the head with any plan and more than likely will need to skinny down. So being caught unawares with that 
happening is uh, probably something that one should be guarding against. Yeah, because the solution is to not get rid of planning. Right. That would be a terrible idea. And not even but there possible. Is... We're, we are too tight. Our right. businesses are too tightly coupled as, as, a, as an economy that we, we just you simply couldn't. Any one unit that said they were going to just forego planning would just be rejected from the broader body, like a bad organ transplant. And someone would yeah. over would uh, surpass them. And so you can't get rid of planning. But I do think there we talked earlier this episode about bringing in a dose of reality and then maybe collapsing the time frame like you were talking about. Those could be two good things. I remember the idea came from a book called The 12 Week Year. Have you heard of it? I haven't. Brian Morin. The tagline says, get more done in 12 weeks than others do hmm. in 12 months. If you split the year up into 12 week chunks, it's not quite the quarter, right? Because you have 48, four 12 week chunks, which is 48 weeks. That gives you four more weeks. So you can, you basically get time to do a week of planning and then you have your, your 12 week period. And they're saying the, the whole assertion is basically you get, they, they focus on the back end, like we're focusing on losing that first 15% or a majority of the first 15% of the year. What they would say is, you have these yearly goals, that's way too long to think about. So much changes, you need to be flexible. And then you find yourself in October, November, December, just rushing to get to meet your goals and objectives. Like you've seen that people try to burn their budget, all sorts of a flurry of activity happen up until sort of the Christmas time break, and then everything falls off to zero. And then you have your hangover and, you, and then you rinse and repeat, right? You get your goals late, Years 10, 15% over, you don't realize it. Like maybe this does happen more often than we think. This is a yearly thing. It's just we're more cognizant of it this year. And so the idea in the 12 week year is you focus your energy, you you distill down into shorter, a shorter time period. And then at the 9, 10, 11, 12th week of your 12 week period, you're applying that same end of year fervor and energy to meet your objectives. And now you're doing that four times a year. And then over time, mm -hmm. you get a lot more done. And I don't know. I think that's maybe an interesting way to think about how to approach things in a crisis, especially is collapsing your timeline, being more realistic about your objectives. And then maybe you, know, you still have to drive towards the strategy. Like you said, it seems like though there's a definite adjustment that needs to be made. And we have not collectively no, made that. No, I especially like this as a thought experiment in a crisis, in an unpredictable time, because it would give you more opportunity to pivot which often pivot is the saving moment. So it's interesting in that I personally like lots of opportunities to, to just readjust, not take my thinking too seriously and readjust as many parameters as I can. So I like thinking about that in terms of quarterly with the longer term strategy in mind, obviously, but it seems like it would be a great experiment for something in very unpredictable times. And th this is hot off the press for us. I haven't really given it a ton of thought before we recorded it, but I'm definitely thinking now how I've been behaving at work has been more normalized, almost assuming away some of this complexity that we find ourselves in as a collective. And I think we, you, me, our organization did a, a pretty good job taking care of individual humans during a, a crisis that has a physical component to it. You could get sick and your family could get sick. And I feel like we responded well to the humans. I don't think that I've responded in kind to mm. the backlog. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What we're committing to having conversations with the people around us when we're creating solutions to 
incorporate some of the realities mm-hmm. that we find ourselves in. Yeah. When things were on fire, I feel like we started to address them. But now I don't hear anyone talking about the, no. that kind of stuff. Do you? No. I do wonder how that conversation around like a, a different schedule of recalibration would work if we tried it with a client as an experiment, because they would have a number of interlocutors that would be dependent. But is there any place where there's room for that sort of experiment? Not sure. I think it's, I think it would be well worth considering. Yeah. So I do want to, if there's no other major thing you want to discuss, I do want to end on a bit of a positive note. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever watched Hell's Kitchen? Gordon Ramsay is though, right? Gordon Ramsay is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. personalities. I guess you could say, I don't even really have a deep appreciation for food, which is so silly, but I like his, maybe, and he's a little over the top, but I like his sort of standards. And in Hell's Kitchen, he would always say, it's not how you Mm. start, it's how you finish. And you'd have these people that got lucky or cooked the right dish right at the beginning. And they would be, oh, these, they're going to get their black jacket. They're going to make it to the end. And then over time, they'd peter out. And then you'd have the ones that came in, maybe they shouldn't have been there. One guy was like, I think he had like a broken wrist or something. And he was going through dinner service because he wanted to win. And he didn't necessarily start off so well. And Gordon Ramsay would always say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I think that's some really good advice for us individually, organizationally, whatever. Right now in 2021, there's still 85% of the year left. That's a long time. 2021 is going to be a long year too. And we have a bunch of time left. I think it's a good opportunity to take a step back adjust, shorten your timeline a little bit. And maybe if you didn't get a good jump start on planning for this year, block some time mm-hmm. out in December right now. Your calendar's <laughs> probably pretty open in December 2021. Block some time out for 2022 planning. Spend some time thinking about what you want to accomplish, what your organization's objectives are, and then you can set yourself up to hit the ground running on January 3rd, 2022. And then when we're 10, 15% through the year next year and having the same discussion, you can say, nope. Yeah. I was ready this year. Yeah, I'm, look at I'm all ahead the of my I goals. Learned. It'd be nice <laughs> if, if we could think of, and you and I are both generally positive people anyway, but it would be nice if we could think about 2021 as being an opportunity for some experimentation and exploration. How do we look for creativity at every point or a way of, of getting around a problem in a, in a less standard way just to see what we might learn? I love that. We, we talked about 2020 being very survival-oriented We're down on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're in our basic needs. Like we're trying to see what that means and and get through that and survive. 2021 might be a lost year productivity-wise or might be lagging productivity-wise, but this is a good opportunity since we're still in this sort of crisis mode to do those experiments. We talked about Kinevin framework last time. We're in this state of complexity. When you're in a state of complexity, you have to run experiments, right? That's the whole probe sense respond. You have to try things, see if they work. Take the inputs from your experiments, make a decision, mm-hmm. adjust. See what's emerging. Yeah. So I, I do. I really like that. Yeah. And a, and a great way. To, I'll just add one more thing. Decision journaling. If you're doing stuff like this, is I think really important. Take these experiments. Think about what you want to do. Write it down. Revisit it in a couple weeks or months, depending on what kind of experiment it is, and see. Hey, here's the state of mind I was in. Here's the decision I made. Mm-hmm. Here's the outcome. Do I want to kill that or double yeah. down on it? That yeah, kind of thing. I, I hear. It's- three different steps there. There's something around this repeated experimentation and documentation, looking for emergent patterns, and then revisiting how that fits into your bigger picture, your enterprise, almost. 
of your, even if it's your own mental model, what did you learn that emerged that, that would fit back in that you could then do another set of experiments with? Maybe 2021 is that year. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we are living in a different world, but we have not experienced it or sensed it yet, then we're playing mm-hmm. the wrong game. And, and that could be really dangerous. So this is a good time to go and remove some of that fog I'm, I'm of war. Getting, I've gotten some ideas from this discussion. Yeah. I'm building a, a brand new business unit, short-term, short-term goals and long-term. So I've gotten some good inspiration yeah. from this. Thank you. Excellent. Thank yeah, you. you too. It was great talking to you today. I'm glad your power's you on and you water's too. running. And I'm happy for you. Yeah. You have 80 degree weather, even though I <laughs> don't. Knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From one degree to 80 degrees in, in just a few days. There you go. There's plenty of room for you in Texas if you want to join us. All right. Have a good one. Okay. Take care. 